Hey there, and welcome to Sip of Wellness, the podcast where we dive headfirst into the awesome world of healthcare and wellness. Stick around as we chat about all sorts of things, one sip at a time, uncovering the essential details that shape our life, both mentally, physically, and emotionally. We're diving into awesome discussions with the experts, engaging interviews that make you think, and facts that are here to support you all the way. So grab your favorite drink, find a comfy spot, and let's gulp down some wisdom that'll boost your journey into a healthier and vibrant life. Today I'm joined by none other than the amazing Julie Higgins. Julie is a distinguished midwife. She's a registered midwife with over 15 years of experience in all sorts of midwifery. She's also a mother to five children. Welcome, Julie. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. We're going to be discussing how to navigate the first few days at home after having a child. Before we start, can you give us a little bit of an introduction about yourself and how your journey to midwifery came to be? Uh, So I have five children. I wasn't a midwife when I had my children. Mm -hmm. I decided to train as a midwife after I had my children. Um, I've always had a passion for wanting to help women Mm -hmm. uh, and being kind to women and making sure they get the best possible care Mm -hmm. and also to advocate for women. So a lot of women want certain things in childbirth and honestly, it's their story. So I really, really feel that they should have the things they want. Mm -hmm. And if I can help with that, that's what my vocation is. Amazing. Uh, so your journey started a bit later in your life. It not did, from the start. yes. I didn't train to be a midwife till mm. I was 44. Mm. Okay. Um, and I didn't qualify till I was 48. Um, I worked in maternity care before I was 44. Mm-hmm. So I started at the bottom and worked my way to the top. Right to the top. So every aspect. Um, I also worked for a company called Showstar for a while. And that's all about women's well-being mm-hmm. and women engaging in services and getting the best help and care they can. That's so empowering. I'm sure along uh, the way in your journey, you've had a lot of magical moments and magical childbirth moments. Has there been any any one particular moment that stuck in your mind? I do love it when somebody has had... Um, They come to me and they've not really had the best experiences in previous childbirth. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a lady come to me not so long ago and she'd had two horrible births. It was just awful. And she wanted um, this one to be different. It was her last child and she wanted to have a complete different experience and I managed to facilitate that. Mm-hmm. I even delivered the baby. And that is just magical. The other things are when people have had a previous C-section and they mm-hmm. want a vaginal birth. And if you make that happen, you know, you, it's just such a lovely feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I enjoy. It's just making sure that I can facilitate what mm-hmm. the women want. Sometimes it doesn't go to plan, but people have a plan. Mm. And even if it doesn't go to plan, you can facilitate most of the plan. Mm -hmm. And that makes such a difference. And always to be there for them so they've got somebody to talk to Mm. and they don't go to Google. Yeah, this is actually one one interesting topic because most of the parents, new parents, they base all of their knowledge on books and Google. Uh, what do you say to these parents who are always online, always searching for... I just give them my telephone number and yeah. just say, I can be your Google yeah. for the whole nine months because they can WhatsApp me anytime mm. with any questions. Because it could be very confusing sometimes when, when you have access to all of the information on the internet. It can be very contradicting most of the times, like you're reading from different sources and it can be overwhelming for the parents. The problem is we Google, it's not pleased. So some of the information that you're gathering is not correct. Mm -hmm. Anybody can put anything on Google. Um, You've got to have evidence-based information. Mm -hmm. You've got to have the right information. Even the textbooks, if they're written from England Mm -hmm. and it's an English author, 
they may not know how things work in the UAE. True. So you have got a discrepancy there. Mm. Um, I remember when I lived in Spain with my okay. older children, um, there was a lady there that had had a baby mm -hmm. and the baby got quite sick. Okay. And we were all trying to work out why this baby was sick. Mm. Um, and I went round there one day. I mean, I was a mum, just helping a mum. I wasn't a midwife. And she was giving the baby tap water because in the book okay. it said she could give tap okay. water because yeah. the book was written by an English author in England. In England. Yeah. But in Spain you don't drink the tap water. Well, you didn't then. Yeah. It might be different now. But you didn't drink the tap water, but somehow that got lost mm. in translation. She thought it was all right to give to her baby. Yeah. Um, and little things like that. And also when you're a new mum you've got sleep deprivation. So sometimes Definitely. you're not thinking 100% clearly. Mm. I mean, she was mortified when, you know, I, I, I said to her, are you giving her that water out the tap? She went, oh, that's what it says in the book. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So it's just, you're tired when you've got a mm. new baby. So a lot of things make sense that probably wouldn't mm. make sense if you weren't so tired. Yeah. For these mothers, usually because it's it's a bit hard to have a balance because before before delivery, you had everything for yourself. You were sharing your body with another person. But after after childbirth, that's another journey. So usually mothers struggle to have a sense of balance between their own rest and the baby's rest. I think they do not comprehend how tired they're going to mm -hmm. be. And when people have had their first baby... It's a bit scary. Mm. You're now responsible for a little human being. And even though you knew you were pregnant, no way. You don't know at the end of it you're going to get a baby. Mm. You do know, but you don't know until the baby's there. And that's okay. a shock mm. because you look at this baby and you are responsible for this baby. Mm. The woman is From the main me. carer for the baby overwhelming responsibility mm. which sometimes don't turn into love to begin with plus you've just gone through labor or mm. you've had an operation you've had a c-section or you've gone through labor and then had a c-section mm. and you're tired normally labors with your first baby along yeah even before the labor you've probably had a month where you haven't slept properly mm. And then you've got a baby that you really do not know how to look after. Yeah. You, it doesn't come with a instruction book. Manual, yeah. Okay. And it's just a mixture of emotions. Mm. And even when the baby sleeps, you will not sleep because the babies don't sleep quietly. And whatever noise that baby makes, you're on alert. Mm. Um, I always say to all new parents, you are honestly not going to sleep for the first three weeks of that baby's life. Then you get to know your baby and you grow together mm. and you get to know that, yeah, it's fine. When I put it to bed, it is going to wake up yeah. in the morning. Um, so, yeah, it's a journey, but it is a very, very tough journey that each day just gets a bit better. So how can mothers basically have some sort of balance? What, what, what advice would you give to mothers? I to... would be organised. Okay. Right. The baby's coming. Mm. You need to have your freezer full of ready meals. Mm. You do not need any other problems in your life than the baby. Not that yeah. it's a problem, but you don't need any added pressures. Mm. Um, if you can get somebody to help with housework, wonderful. If you've got friends that are, are willing to help, give them jobs mm. to do before the baby arrives. Okay, so everybody's nice on baby yeah. power, okay? So they all know what they're doing. Yeah. And everybody wants to come and see the baby. Definitely. Make a schedule that fits with you. So if, if you think, oh, I'd like somebody to come mm. see the baby about 11, yeah. then I can go and get a shower. Okay. So really have a timetable. Mm. I would, yeah. That's great advice. Baby on board, let's all get on board yeah. and help. It's it's just makes life a lot easier. Yeah. Be organised in the things that you can be organised about. That's it. Yeah. Okay, because that's... you just need to concentrate on the other things. Yeah. Especially if you're breastfeeding, because mm. the breastfeeding can be an all day, all night affair. Mm. 
So you really do need to um, be organized, be pre-organized. Okay. Um, eventually, the baby will fit into your lifestyle. Mm. But at the very beginning, you really have to fit into the baby's yeah. uh, routine. Mm. Um, and that's different each day. Okay. So you don't really establish a routine until after three weeks. Okay. Uh, before that, it's a bit up and down. You'll have really good days mm. where you think, I've got this, we're good to go. And then you'll have really bad days. Mm. One thing I'd advise parents is if the baby has a bad night, mm. you still need to stick to the daytime routine. Okay. Not think, oh, the baby didn't sleep very well last mm. night, so we'll just leave it to sleep longer during the day mm. uh, because then you're going to have another bad night. Okay. So okay. It, stick to the plan during the day. Okay. And the plan during the day should be mm. feed every two hours religiously. Okay. That's the plan during long? the day. Well, if you're breastfeeding, it can be 20 to 40 minutes. If you're bottle feeding, mm. however long the baby takes to take the bottle. For how long of a baby's age, I mean? You, the baby then will sort out its own routine. Okay. But if you're strict during the day, it normally mm. establishes a routine mm. a lot quicker. Okay. And what does a baby's uh, sleep schedule look like? Like, what is the normal sleep schedule for a baby? All babies are unique. Okay. So you don't have a, a sleep schedule. Mm. Um, if the baby goes to bed at night, about 11 o'clock, mm. uh, and it's really, really full because you've mm. stuck to the regime during the day, mm. uh, then the baby will start sleeping more at night. Um, then that could change when they have a groin spurt, then mm. they want to feed all the time. Okay. You do not um, even think about putting the baby into some kind of routine till it's about two weeks old. Okay. Um, it really does need to be feeding, sleeping, mm -hmm. feeding, sleeping. Um, people don't that people watch films. Mm. The baby feeds. You put the baby down. It I sleeps. Was ask about yeah, this. it doesn't yeah. work like that. Okay. Um, You feed the baby, then the baby might be a bit sick. So mm. you change the baby, then you change the nappy. Yeah. Then the baby decides it doesn't want to go to sleep. Yeah. Or it might have a bit of wind. Or it might want to just lay with mummy. Mm. And before you know it, it's time for the next feed. Okay. So it is a quite a challenging circle. This is in the first 20, uh, 20 days or so? or About, all? yeah. Okay. The first three weeks is okay. challenging. So after three weeks, what, from your uh, expertise, like how would the ideal or the most... Uh, Normally after three weeks, if you stick to the daytime mm. routine, the baby will go down about 11, wake up once, mm. about three-ish, and then go back down. Okay. That's and, what normally happens. And the mother can sort her sleep schedule around that as well. Yeah, it's yeah. hard though because um, when you're feeding or breastfeeding, mm. then you have to change the nappy and everything. It's not always. Mm. The mother can't go back to sleep mm. straight True. away. Plus, babies don't sleep quietly, so they make noises. Mm. Um, some of them, the noises are like, are you still breathing? Yeah. Um, and some of the noises, it's if they're crying, but they're not. They're just making noises. Mm. And you're absolutely right, by the way. The first uh, the first couple of weeks after delivery are pretty chaotic. Not chaotic, but a bit weird for, the, for a first-time mother. How would a partner play into this? Like, how can he ease some of that pressure or some of that chaos from the mother? So I would split the risk responsibilities okay. so mum normally is mm. the one feeding if she's breastfeeding obviously if you're bottle feeding you can divide that between mm. you and I would definitely divide diaper duty yeah um, and also um, he can also look after the head so none of them get a flat head okay. so keep um, a look out which way the baby likes to sleep mm. Each baby prefers a side okay. to another side, mm. but you've got to make sure they evenly are on these sides. Plus, my husband was very good at tummy time because he could lay on the settee, watch a film, do nothing, mm. and the baby would be on him like this. Yeah. <laughs> so that was his contribution. Okay. Yeah. That's a nice contribution. <laughs> yeah. Um, how, how important is it, by the way, tummy time for both the baby and the parent? It is. It's very important. You've got to remember the baby inside you. Mm. 
has never been without anybody. Mm, so the baby prefers to be with its mum or father. Mm. Here can be a bit challenging because the dads sometimes only get seven days okay. and the mums only get 45 days okay. if they are working. Yeah. So here it can be quite challenging. Mm. Um, a lot of mums then add on their annual leave, but mm. it's still a short time yeah. before you go back to work, yeah. which is a challenge in itself. Exactly. Just 45 days is nothing because the baby is still very young and very unpredictable. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, I think they need to follow other countries mm. uh, where they're really uh, a lot more friendlier with the maternity mm. leave. How is it like in England? Uh, in England, six months. Six months. To one year. Yeah. Um, in Sweden, two years. Okay. And they can... The father can take it or the mother can take it. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're they're way ahead of everybody else. Yeah. But I think some of these um, countries don't realise how important it is that the baby's with the parents. Um, for everything, it makes them more confident human beings. They have no anxiety. They mm. feel loved. Um, it's very, very important for the baby's well-being. Well, I wish we followed uh, into these uh, footsteps. I think they will yeah. eventually. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think here, because a lot of people have nannies and maids, mm. I think that's why um, they don't put as much emphasis on mm. it. True. But nothing is like your real mum and your real dad. Nothing at all. Nothing can substitute that. Nothing can substitute, especially for the baby, because they're used to that mother because they've... And the smell it. and everything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one other topic usually for uh, expecting first-time mommies who are still anticipating that delivery, they usually come to the delivery time with a lot of anxiety. So what would you say for these, like to these mothers and partners, actually, both of them, to help them like think about it in a more in a more soothing way? So you need to make a plan. Mm. So you need to think about what birth you want. Mm. You need to attend antenatal classes because mm. knowledge is power. Definitely. People ask you to make informed choices. Mm. It's no good making an informed choice of something you know nothing about. Yes. So it's really, really important mm. to gather as much information as possible, but the right information. Mm. So you need to go to antenatal classes run by midwives mm. that will give you the right information for the UAE. Mm. Then you need a plan. Okay. How you would wish your mm. birth to go. Okay. Um, if people come to me for a plan, I'm very practical. Mm. We look at all what you want to do. Mm. We call it a wish. Sometimes mm. wishes don't come true. True. Um, and then we make more than one plan. Okay. So we make plan A. In cases. Plan B. Yeah. Plan C. Okay. So whatever birth you have, mm -hmm. you'll be happy with. Because yeah. at the end of the day, at the end result is a healthy mum and a healthy baby. And you can't control labour. We never know. People ask me all the time, how long is it going to be? Mm. Will I be able to do this? Yeah. It's out of our control. Until you're in labour, mm. we don't know how your labour's going to go. Mm. We don't know if your baby's going to like labour. Mm. We don't know if your cervix is going to dilate like it should. Yes. We don't know if the baby's in the optimus position mm. for a smooth labour. And babies can move in labour. So there's a lot of things we need to think about. Mm. Um, a lot of women do get their wishes. Okay. We do all we can to make sure these wishes happen. Uh, the only time we diverse to plan B or mm. C is if we can see that the baby's distressed okay. or the woman's body's not doing what it should, should be doing. And there's no one to blame for that at all. It's just what happens. Mm. Because a lot of the times the women actually end up blaming themselves and wondering if there is something more they could have done. Nothing yeah. more. Nothing more at all. Mm. Do you know what? The biggest achievement that you've done is grow a human. Yes. And we do not know what this human's going to do in life. Mm. Could change the world. And you've grown that human. Yeah. And it might only change the world a little bit. 
but still. yeah and it'll change lives as well if you mm. bring them up to be kind considerate it will definitely change lives of the people they run into fantastic yeah. so you know that's the biggest thing mm. and it is the miracle of life it's like you said the most important thing from a delivery or in a delivery is a healthy mother and a healthy baby 100 percent. yeah but for those like for those exceptions in cases where the mother does end up having a traumatic experience during her childbirth, what advice would you give her for the next delivery? Because some of them actually have... First of all, I would advise that they do a debrief because okay. they need to understand what happened, mm -hmm. why it happened, mm -hmm. why certain decisions were made. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing, you know, there's... I know some people think, oh, if I'd have done this, but there is nothing that mm -hmm. you can do. The second birth's a lot easier. Okay. So it it is a lot easier. Mm -hmm. So whatever happened with the first birth probably will never happen with the second birth. The second birth is usually a lot shorter. Okay. Um, the pushing takes no time at all mm -hmm. as people are quite mortified that the pushing can take over an hour with the first birth. Um, but with your second birth, it can be like three pushes on oh, the really? baby's out. Okay. It's a different, it's a different birth altogether. Mm. It's as if your body knows what to do now. It's already been trained. Yeah. So, yeah. so it does it a lot quicker. So okay. I was very quick with my second birth okay. compared to my first birth. So it, it helps them actually now to think about it this way. If they had a, tra a traumatic experience, to know that the second the birth is actually second and third would be much easier than yeah. the first. And the other thing as well, you forget. So soon as that baby, six weeks old, mm. starts smiling at you, yeah. talking to you, you, you just absolutely on cloud nine. Mm. And then the baby, then at one or one and a bit, starts walking. Mm. And then at two, it starts talking mm. and it goes to little play groups and things yeah. like that. And then you're just so besotted with this baby. Mm. You think, oh, I'll have another one. Yeah. <laughs> and you forget all about the birth. Definitely. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, that's it. Uh, that's the one thing that I hear from most mothers is that right after they deliver, they're like, we're never going to have a baby again. And then a couple of months later, they're like, we want to have another baby because that baby, like baby time when, when it's a cute baby and they're doing nothing and they're stuck to you, doesn't last for too long. After a while, they become their own thing. You know, they want to explore, they want to run around. So, yeah. And it's just joyful mm. seeing the world from a child's eyes. Mm. Um when uh, so we were living in Spain, my first baby was a very quick talker. Okay. Um, so she could honestly have a conversation with anybody at two. Oh, uh, okay. She was a real chatterbox. Mm. And we took her back to England. <laughs> mm. And on the way back from England back to Spain, mm. I said to her, oh, it was really lovely, wasn't it, being in England? She yeah. said, I didn't like it. I said, why not? <laughs> She yeah. said, I didn't like the furry floors, the carpet. She didn't like the oh. carpet. We were living in Spain with all wood, marble floors. Yeah. Oh, she didn't like it at all. <laughs> and that was it a... makes you think. Yeah, yeah, I know. That was a, you know, perception mm. of England. I don't want to ever go back again, she said, because mm -hmm. of them furry floors. She didn't like it. Yeah, and it makes you see, th see things for the first time. It's like glass shattering. You're like, hmm, never thought about it this yeah, way. <laughs> yeah, and they, they're, they're just wonderful. I mean, I mm. have five of them and they all yeah. look at life differently and mm. they all have the little quirks and it's just a joy, mm. an absolute joy. They do say each child has its own experience, you know, like each child comes with its own set of experience after, during, uh, during pregnancy and after delivery. Do you know what? All my children are the same in confidence okay. because I was really up on that. Mm -hmm. But they're all so different personalities. Okay. Um, and they're very, very close, my children. All mm. of them are very close. They talk to each other every day. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. But they do all come with their own little unique personalities. What you did with one baby, you mm -hmm. don't do with another. My second baby was an unbelievable sleeper. She could sleep on okay. a washing line, we used to say. Um, as one of my babies wasn't a very good sleeper. Mm -hmm. And that was a shock to us. 
Okay. Um, one had colic, one didn't. Mm. It, there's all sorts. Okay. So it's just nice. Does this stay with them or do they like change along the way? They change along the way. <laughs> okay. I think they change through experiences. Okay. Um, and, and they've all got the little quirks, mm. um, which can be quite unusual. Okay. Each one is unique in Just his own way. Just go with it. Yeah. Just go with it. And, the, you know, I've had one uniqueness. Well, two of my babies, mm. I called them beige babies. Okay. So they would only eat food that was beige. Okay. So that's... they'd eat pasta. Okay. Chicken. They uh, hated colours? The Lilla ice cream, okay. as one of them used to call it. <laughs> the Lilla. Oh, uh, yeah, the Lilla. Okay. So very plain foods, nothing with any colour. Okay. But I had two children like that, so it must be a thing. Okay, and they changed along the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, just... you know, Max didn't like tomatoes, mm. onions. Oh, he didn't like anything. Okay. Uh, sometimes they don't like stuff, but then they like stuff that's got it in it, but... They don't mind it in that form. Yeah, yeah. So he didn't like bolognese okay. to have with your pasta. Mm. Um, but he'd eat pizza. Okay, which basically both so have the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. So okay. um, we just have to be a bit inventive. So yeah. I used to make a pizza with the bolognese. Okay. <laughs> and then exactly. he'd eat it with cheese on top. Yeah. I heard that one hack where you would introduce all the foods that your babies don't eat, but you would introduce them in a different form. Definitely. For example, with pasta, you would include all the veggies into like you, you would mash them and put them in the pasta. They would eat everything, but in a mashed form. Yeah. So, yeah. so I used to hide a lot of vegetables mm. in food yeah. where I'd puree them all mm. and then mix it in with the shepherd's pie. And yeah, they never smart. knew. Exactly. Smart. These and then the one of my children had only eat chicken. Okay. But the way we got her to eat beef mm. was I said, you know, our eggs are white and brown. Mm. Well, same with chicken. You get a brown chicken and a white chicken. <laughs> so your smart. beef is from the brown chicken. Oh, well, chicken. Okay. I used to call it chicken. Okay. She used to go, I love this chicken. <laughs> I used to go, oh, that's good. At which point did she realize that this is not chicken? This is actually beef. Yeah, she were a bit daft. So not until she were a bit older. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice um one of the topics that usually is a bit feared and a bit like um people don't really know how to navigate it is postpartum depression or baby blues you know because after you deliver as you said like after a woman delivers her whole life kind of her whole paradigm shifts around so for these people for these for these families who are who feel like they're gonna starting to go through postpartum depression What can you tell them? What can you advise them? You need to get help straight away. Straight away. Okay. Okay. Um, it ain't going to get better. Mm. It's just going to get worse. Mm. So you need to seek help straight away. Mm. Sometimes it can be a bit of a hormone imbalance. Sometimes it can be really because you're very tired. Mm. But you, if it changes into purple psychosis, that that's very serious. Mm. So you need to get help straight away. So the rule of thumb is mm. day three, if you've had a normal delivery, mm. nervous breakdown day. The world has come okay. to an end. Okay. You've not slept for about five days. Yes. So it's all a bit too much. Mm. Day four, if you've had a C-section. Mm. Also on those two days, your milk comes in. So the mm. hormones are raging. So that day you are going to be very upset. Okay. And you don't know why. And then it'll be a mixture of being upset and happy and all that. Mm. Then it might take you a while to catch up on your sleep. So you will have a few days where you don't feel 100%, mm. but you can cope. Okay. If you are getting up in the morning and you really don't want to do anything, mm. you don't even want to look at your baby, mm. okay? You need to get help straight away. Okay. I used to run a course in the UK called Here's Looking at You. And we used to get mums to come in and I am going to start this course here mm. in the UAE. Uh, we used to get mums to come in and interact with their babies mm. at about four weeks. And we used to video the interactions mm. to see if the baby was, you know, interacting back. You knew straight away the women that had postnatal depression mm. because 
the baby wouldn't make eye contact with them. Mm. And that's because the mother had been distant to the baby. Mm. Now, it's easily corrected. Uh, but if it goes on, then the baby will also detach itself, maybe from okay. society even. So it is something that has to be treated because mm. it has long-term effects if it's left, okay. not only on the mummy, but on the baby mm. as well. Um, you can always contact me if you're feeling low mm. and we can point you in the right direction. You might just need a good night's sleep. Mm. You know that no, nobody's going to say that you've got postpartum depression yeah. just like that. Mm. Um, you might need a night nurse just for a night, mm. just so that you can go to bed and sleep. Just for one night. Because fatigue causes anxiety and everything and 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 that can be serious mm. also if you've had a traumatic birth and you haven't had a proper debrief that can also add and some mothers do not realize how much it's going to change their life mm. for the interim period so it's not going to change your life forever, forever yeah. i'm a firm believer the baby should fit into your life mm. but for the first three weeks, you you don't know how to fit the baby into your life because mm. you don't know what your life looks like. Mm. So it's a bit of navigation. And mm. and babies all of a sudden will get colic, they'll wake mm. up with a rash, mm. they'll get cradle cap, they'll wake up with a sticky eye, mm. the umbilical cord might look like it's infected, mm. it might have a reaction to the vaccines. There's a lot of worry with babies mm. um, that you don't think about and you know we try and tell you everything but there's always something of we course. leave out uh, or there's something that we've told you but actually you're sleep deprived you don't remember it mm. okay so and that's normal mm. and you know what you worry about your baby because you're a brilliant mum mm. that's why you worry um and because you want the best for your child so it's normal but very exhausting Definitely. Is there anything that parents can do to avoid reaching that stage? Like, are there any steps they can follow? They just need to get help okay. before. Okay. They just need to get help. If they're over anxious or anything like that, they just need to mm. get help. Okay. It's really, really important. Mm. And then another plan can be put in place that, that just to sort it out mm. for a few days. Um, the the father sometimes can just say, right, you're going to bed for the night. Yeah, I'm on night duty. Yeah. Um, and and that can just make all the difference. Mm. Another topic that usually is very recurring and very asked about from my experience, like uh, with everyone around me is, and a bit challenging, is court care. So usually when when they're not used, like women are not used to having part of the cord kind of outside of the body. They, they don't know what to do with it exactly. So they're a bit like, you know, anxious about it. So how so, does it usually look like uh, cord care? So you you just wipe around the cord mm. every day and it's wipe and bin, mm. wipe and bin. Mm. Um, it does look a bit gross okay. because it's it's dying mm. so and they can be a bit of a smell to it okay um also when the cord falls off it can look like a scabby uh scab yeah. yeah just clean it put some pseudocreme on it mm. it'll be fine Okay. If you feel that there is a problem you can always send a picture to me mm. we will give my number out at of the course. end um if it really does look red and inflamed. And if it's hot to touch, mm -hmm. it means it's infected and you need to go and see your paediatrician or go to emergency mm -hmm. um, because it is an open wound mm -hmm. and it is a channel for infection. Okay. Um, but what you just need to do is wipe round it. Wipe and um, Yeah, wipe and throw. Okay. Um, some people say, oh, I don't want to give my baby a bath because of the cord. Mm. But actually, you can give your baby a bath because mm. um, it'll just dry out afterwards. Mm. So some cords take a lot longer to fall off than others. 
And normally that's because you've either had antibiotics in labour mm. or the baby's had antibiotics. Mm. So normally the cord would fall off between five and ten days. Okay. If you've had antibiotics, it's five to fifteen days. Okay. How important is hygiene for the for, for the newborn? Like, is it something? Is it is washing and showering something that should be done on a daily? No. Okay. No. Um, so the newborn's actually, it's not outside in the ground or anything. Mm. So um, I think you can be over hygienic with mm. newborns because they have to build a resistance. Okay. Um, but always sterile, sterilize the bottles, mm. uh, the pacifiers and things like that. Uh, bathing every day, maybe not because mm. the newborn has to get its, natural oils mm. so you don't need to bath every day and it's all right just top and tailing so you start at the top finish at the bottom uh, because a lot of uh, women they include that into their daily nighttime routine from the moment the baby's born they shower they feed they shower then they feed then they put to sleep so yeah I think, said, I think in a, uh, I think after three weeks mm. you can get into a routine yeah. but before then I wouldn't be bathing the baby every, every day, day. Because okay. they get really dry skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you bath in them every day, you, you're, you're stripping the them of all the yeah. um, oils. Also, don't use any products. Really? No mm-hmm. products at all? No. Okay. And the first three weeks were? The first three weeks, okay. you know, because the, the, the skin's sensitive. Mm. It's used to living in water. Mm. So it's getting used to all the outside, the detergent that you mm. wash the clothes in. You know, yeah. it's getting used to lots of things. Okay, that's interesting advice to avoid all products yeah. uh, for the first three weeks. Yeah. Um, what about, like what advice would you give to women who are who just started breastfeeding? Because this is also a topic that is usually uh, you have people who want to breastfeed and are excited to breastfeed, and people who are just so scared about the idea. So of breastfeeding. I'm baby friendly, so I mm. don't mind however you feed your mm. baby as long as you feed your baby. Mm. The baby needs food. Mm. Breastfeeding can be challenging, Mm. you know, getting the right latch. It can be uncomfortable for the first three weeks. But after, if you do three weeks of breastfeeding, after three weeks, all the discomfort Mm. goes away. It becomes very easy. Mm. Uh, But the three weeks, it's up and down. You'll have good days, bad days, good nights, bad nights. Mm. Um, Sometimes the babies want to feed 24-7, which is not feasible. And that's when they're using you for comfort. Okay. So try and stick to some routine mm-hmm. with the breastfeeding. Otherwise, you'll just be breastfeeding 24-7. Yes. Your nipples will get sore. It's not that you're doing it mm-hmm. wrong. It's just that nobody's sucked on your nipple for that mm-hmm. length of time before. Yeah. I always say it's like getting a pair of new shoes that are a bit tight for you. Yeah. It's the same thing. You're going to mm-hmm. get a few blisters, a few cracked nipples. Mm-hmm. But each day it'll just improve. Okay. And how can how can women like overcome some of the challenges of uh, that are associated with breastfeeding? Um, I think here there's hardly no challenges. Every mm-hmm. everybody seems you can go out and breastfeed. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got those things that mm-hmm. they that cover, to yeah. discreet. Um, so I don't think there's a lot of challenges. I mean, it's good to see a lactation consultant. Good to get the right advice, especially with expressing and things mm. like that. Um, and you feed your baby however you want to. If you find okay. it, if you want to exclusively breastfeed, there's lots of help out there to help you achieve that. Mm. If you want to mix feed, there's also help. Um, if you see a lactation consultant, it's about feeding the baby. So mm. we just want a happy baby. A full baby is a okay. happy baby. When should you seek help in case something is going wrong? Like and anything like that you feel, if you feel that um, it isn't going quite right. Mm. So a lot of mothers say, I haven't got enough milk. But mm. how you know that things are going right is that your baby will have lots of wet and dirty nappies. Okay. If your baby's having a lot of wet and dirty nappies, then you know everything's mm. okay. Is there anything a woman can do to increase uh, milk production? Just um, feed more. Okay. That's how they increase milk production okay. or express, but okay. don't overexpress. Okay. 
You mentioned earlier about uh, one of your patients who had like a second and third uh, pregnancy and she was a bit uh, concerned. For those women who already have, they're not new ty- new mommies, they already have kids. How, how would you advise them to introduce that baby into that dynamic of the old, uh, other child, you know, to avoid any... Uh... So the most important person mm-hmm. in the relationship, so three have become four. Mm-hmm. The most important person is that older child. Okay. Okay. Baby has to come with a gift Mm. and it has to be a big gift. Mm. It's not about the cost. It's about the size. Mm. And then nothing in that older child's life has to change for the first three weeks. After three weeks, the older child will always think it had a brother or sister. Okay. So it can change in the sense, so say mummy normally takes the older child swimming. Mm. So somebody else can take the child swimming. It doesn't have to be the mum. But nothing in their routine has to change and you must never tell the older child off for anything it does to the baby. Mm. So even if the older child's a bit rough, you mustn't tell the older child off because the older child will remember that. It'll think to itself, before you came along, I didn't get told yeah. off. Yeah. You're here, now I'm in trouble. They, they, and it, it scars them for life. They'll, mm. they'll never have a good relationship with their yeah. siblings. So my second daughter, mm-hmm. there was quite a close, they were close, her and my son. So he was the new baby, came home. She was little still. She Mm. was about, I'd say about 18 months, 15 months Mm. old. Oh, she was fascinated with his eyes. Every time he opened his eyes, she poked him in the eye. Eye, (laughs) eye. So we didn't tell her off. Mm. We just diverted her. Mm. And then we played this game with her where we did mouth, nose, eye, mouth, nose, eye. So then when she went anywhere near him, she did mouth first. Well, it didn't matter if she poked him in the mouth. That's okay. But the eye was an issue. Um, And then we distract her before Mm. she got to the eye. Mm. So we would say, you know, oh, do you want, you know, do you want a chocolate bar? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, there's a birdie outside, you know, anything. Mm. So she didn't do that. Mm. But we never told her off. And you also get with siblings as well, the older siblings. Mm. Maybe they want to show the baby a car. Mm. I mean, the car's heavy Mm. and then accidentally hits the baby over the head with the car because they've got no spatial awareness either, especially Mm. if they're young. Again, we don't tell them off. You know, we can say be gentle. Mm. Oh, lovely baby, but don't tell them off. Plus, get them doing something. Mm. So they need a job. So the job can be that they bring the nappies to you or the wet Mm. wipes. Give them something to do. To involve them into the care of the child. 100%. And also tell them what a wonderful big sister or brother they Mm. are. They are the best. Okay. It's positive reinforcement. Yeah, it will go into their mind. No negative reinforcement. Mm. And always tell them how lucky the baby is Mm. to have them. Because honestly, the baby doesn't bother mind you know yeah so that's what you need to do Mm. and they'll always be friends they'll be best friends Mm. that's nice that's speaking also from experience yeah definitely all my kids get on Mm. really really well uh what can you do like as a mother as a new new mother what can you do to increase bonding activities with your newborn aside from the other siblings like with your newborn to increase that bonding with them and for them with so you need to spend time when the other siblings are in bed Basically, that's okay. your time with the baby. Mm. I know it's exhausting, but mm. it's it's just the way it is mm. when you've got other siblings. It's always going to be harder with two mm. than it was Definitely. with one. Plus, when you have your second baby, you mm. forget how small the first baby was. Yeah. And that's a big shock because mm. the baby's um, a lot bigger, mm. um, uh, a lot smaller than the sibling. Mm. Um, and you forget how small the sibling was. Was at some so, point, yeah. Skin to skin contact. It's uh, something that has come recently that has been talked about a lot. Like have a lot of skin to skin contact. 
Is this something that is purely like during delivery or also does it have to stay afterwards? Yeah, yeah, you should have skin to skin. The baby's mm. used to your smells and everything. Mm. Uh, the baby feeds better mm. when you skin to skin before you breastfeed. Yeah, it's the way to go. Does it have a positive effect on the mother as well or yeah, just on 100%, the baby? Yeah, 100%. All the happy hormones because mm. you love your baby. So, Julie, recently there have uh, been different, many different forms of deliveries and types of deliveries. We have water birth, we have C-section, and we have, of course, vaginal births. Um, is there is there something that is more favored than the other? Because I know like most women fear C-sections when it's actually not something to be afraid of. I think in this region, it's 50-50. Mm. You know, I mean... Honestly, I don't mind how you want to birth your baby. Mm. That's your body, yeah. your choices. Mm. As long as, you know, it's safe, it's fine. Okay. Um, and it, it really is 50-50. Mm. 50% of women want a vaginal birth. 50% women want a C-section. Mm. And out of those women, some people have to have a C-section mm. and some people have to have a vaginal birth. Mm. So, you know, it just happens mm. like that um and there is really only two types of birth mm. vaginal or c-section yeah. they're, they're coming out one way or the other yeah yeah uh, the water birth is obviously a vaginal birth where they come out mm. in the water um and really the mum does it all herself so okay. you don't touch the baby in the water it's mm -hmm. hands off for um a water birth mm -hmm. Uh, so you're just there supporting the women, talking her through what to do. That's okay. all you're doing. Um, then the there's the normal vaginal birth. Mm -hmm. And then there's the von Tuss where you might need a bit of help at the end. Okay. Uh, and they'll put like a cap on the baby's head mm -hmm. as you push. Uh, the doctor will pull. Uh, and they do that sometimes if you're just exhausted and mm. your contractions aren't strong enough mm. uh, and you just need a little bit of help. Mm. Uh, the forceps delivery is usually done if the baby's high and it okay. just needs rotating as well as delivering. Mm -hmm. So those are the vaginal birth methods. Mm. So no uh, need to go directly into C-section? In no, 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 mm. no. They don't do C-section unless it's needed. Mm -hmm. And there's, so the reasons why you'd go to C-section, if the baby was getting stressed in labour, mm -hmm. if you were two centimetres dilated at 10 o'clock and then at four o'clock in the afternoon, you're still Mister. two centimetres mm -hmm. dilated, we'd consider, because mm -hmm. your body can only do so much. Of course. Um, the other reason is if you hyperstimulate, so mm. sometimes when you start contracting, mm. uh, you contract one in 10 minutes, then two in 10 minutes, then three in 10 minutes, then four in 10 minutes, then mm. five in 10 minutes. If it goes above that, that means your uterus is hyperstimulating. That's dangerous for you mm. and the baby. Mm. Sometimes you go for C-section because when it comes to the pushing, the baby's cordage wrapped around its mm. neck maybe two times and then it's got itself all tangled in the cord. Okay. So however long you labour, you won't be able to actually push the baby out. There'll mm. be no descent, which we see Before, after about half yeah. an hour, we can see there's no okay. descent or improvement. Um, the other where you might go for C-section is if you, uh, you know, your blood pressure is going really high, we can't mm. keep it under control. Anything really that puts you and the baby in danger. Mm. Um, we do a lot of planned C-sections. Mm. We don't do that many emergency C-sections, to mm. tell you the truth. A lot of them here are planned. Mm. Uh, the planned C-section is very chilled and mm. everything. Um you're explained in great detail what's going to happen. If you need extra support, mm. uh, we support you in extra ways if you're a bit anxious. An emergency C-section, because you didn't plan it, mm. can be a bit traumatic at the time. But once you're explained why and what's happening, mm. um, it can be more traumatic if you've gone for the water birth mm. and then you've ended up with an emergency C-section. Yeah. 
because the water birth's all calm, we've got the fairy lights, the mm. music on, and then all of a sudden we ended up in a theatre yeah. yeah. with 10 people and bright lights and mm. everything. So, But um, it's, we just don't know how it's going to go. Mm. I've had um, four normal births and one C-section. So okay. I've, I've had both scenarios. Mm. Okay. I didn't have a water birth. Um, it wasn't a thing when yeah. I was... But with one of my children, I did want a water birth. Mm. But actually, when I put my toe in the pool, it was too hot and I didn't want to okay. get in the pool. <laughs> I was always hot when I was pregnant, always okay. like felt like I had a mm. bit of a fever. I didn't, but I mm. did feel like I had. Mm. I didn't actually think the water would be that hot. And so, yeah, I didn't want to get in it, basically. I can't imagine delivering and the water is this hot. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like a hot bath. I mean, yeah. it's really soothing for it's the pain. It's relaxing. Yeah. yeah. But no, I just thought I'm going to get too hot and then I'm mm. going to faint. That's what I've, I thought oh, at okay. the time. Is this why it's a thing? Like, is this why it's a trend? Uh, because the water kind of like helps you relax your muscles or is there any other like benefit to it? No, don't worry. It's very peaceful birth. So, okay. it's, you know, and the woman's in control. Mm. Uh, normally they use the water and the gas and air. So they mm. use two things. Okay. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's beautiful. A water birth mm. is beautiful. But more achievable with your second child okay. than with your first. Mm. So we can't predict how people are going to labour. Mm. You know, I always say go for what you want, yeah. whether it's your first, second or third. Mm. With your first, the odds are against you, but it mm. is achievable. Mm. Um, and mainly because how long the labour goes on for. Yeah, that's what I heard. Mm. I heard and then some mm. people think they want a water birth, and then when it comes to it, they just go, "No, I don't want to. I don't want one of them now." Mm. And that's fine. Okay. Um, and then some people haven't even planned for a water birth, and, and, and when they're going to labour, they think, "Oh yeah, I'll have a water birth now," okay. and their plans change. But we just go with it, whatever, mm. whatever you want to do, as long mm. as it's safe. As much as they can plan, like eventually uh, they will they will follow their instinct on the spot. On the yeah, spot, definitely. You know? yeah. yeah. And I'm a firm believer people should choose their own position to mm. deliver in. Definitely. Um, I think all women get themselves into a, a certain position. Mm. And I just think you should leave them in that position and mm. let them deliver like that. So yeah. it's... Uh, It's a good way of doing it. Mm. And normally women get into the position that suits them and their body. Mm. It's an instinct. It's mm. a primal instinct. But it's uh, it's the way to go. Because you have the one that is on the back, the ones that looks kind of like a squat. Yeah. And uh, Sideways. Side, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There are all fours. Yes, exactly. And then like lent over the bed. It's mm. all different positions. And they all do not affect the birthing process in no, any way. No, no. I mean, sometimes somebody will be in a position and things aren't moving like mm. you think they should. Then you'd ask them to change the position. Okay. Just to see if it's better mm. in a different position. Okay. Thank you so much for your answers, Julie. We've benefited a lot from your experience and expertise in this uh, field. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. For everyone that would like to speak to Julie, she's available in King's College Hospital or you can contact her through Instagram at IG Midwife. Or you can have my phone number, of course. which is 058-590-4943. This concludes our exciting session with Miss Julie. Thank you, Julie Higgins, for being with us. Don't forget to put your thumbs up and subscribe to our podcast. We will have exciting interviews every week with the leading experts in healthcare and wellness.